listening to Connection Church's podcast. Morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Good, 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 good. Awesome. Yeah. It's a good day to be in church, man. It's always good to be in the house of God and glad you're here. Glad you joined us. Um, we are starting a new series today called Every Person Has a Purpose. And with that, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, what God's called us to do and be as a church, uh, that, which applies to our individual lives and the vision that he's given us for our lives, the vision he's given us for the church and what that looks like played out um, throughout the next weeks. You'll see and we're going to talk about serving and evangelism. We're going to talk about the things that God calls us to. Um, so it's a very important series for us as a church um, because I know this. I know that the best is yet to come and that God's got a lot of things in store for us um, that he has planned for us to do. Um, and so we want to take advantage of that. Before we jump in, and speaking of every person has a purpose, if you are available on Wednesday afternoons, um, we could use some help with our kids' ministry that takes place on Wednesday afternoons. It's the time for them where they are able to get um, have a lot of fun, but they also get a teaching that day, and then they break up into their small groups. We believe in connect groups and these small groups um, from uh, the earliest age on. And so this is where they get that. But we could use some help with that. If you have Wednesday afternoons available, we'd love to have you come and help with that after school um, on Wednesdays, and we could definitely use that. Today, we're going to start this series and kick it off in Joshua chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there to Joshua chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Um, and uh, you can get one at our Next Steps table. Just stop by there. Let them know you'd like to get a Bible. We'd be glad to give you one. And uh, if you don't have it with you today, but you do have one, the words will be on the screen so you can read along with us. But Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, we're going to kick this off today with verses 1 through 7. And uh, let's read it and then we'll pray and get going. It says in verse 1, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I'm with you as I was with Moses. Let's pray, God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for its power. I thank you that you're here, God, with us now. Lord, I just pray in the next few minutes, Lord, speak to our hearts. Change our hearts. Make us be more like you, Lord. God, just show us um, our role in the kingdom. We realize that uh, we're a part of your great church so God, let us, let us be faithful to do all you put before us. God, just encourage us, challenge us now through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many of you enjoy camping? You like, you like the outdoors? You like to get out there in the outdoors? Yeah? Yes, a few of you. How many of you, your idea of camping is a five-star uh, hotel and room service? Yep. Yeah, that's a lot of y'all. About even, I guess. But if you do like camping, how many of you would like to go camping for 40 years, right? Um, not too many people. 
have my own horror stories of camping. I do enjoy the outdoors. I enjoy going camping. But uh, I don't think for 40 years I'd want to be doing that. And this is where we find the Israelites. They've been in the wilderness. Um, they, they are finally coming to a place where God's going to take them into the promised land. Um, these are his chosen people, the people he has called to be his own. And he's about to take them into the promised land. And he's going to do that through a miracle. Um, so at this time, the Jordan River uh, was at flood stage. But what they're going to do is his presence is going to go before them, symbolized by the ark. And as the priests who are carrying this ark, this, this box basically that symbolizes God's presence, as they step into the river, the river parts and they're able to walk across on dry ground. And so as we see that, we see that God is about to do a miracle in the lives of his people. God's about to show a great move uh, on, on his behalf, in, on behalf of his people. And so I want you to see that because um, there's some things that I believe are, show a pattern in this text. I preached out of um, Joshua 3 a couple of times in the history of our church, but I've never focused really on verses 1 through 5, 1 through 6, 1 through 7, those verses. But I want you to see this today because I believe there's a pattern that we see um, in here of, of how God uses people, how God uses churches. And so I want you to see that. I want us to, to recognize where we're at in this, and I want us to not miss what God wants to do in us and through us um, as we look at it. The very first thing I see in this as they're getting ready to cross over into the, the promised land is in the very first verse. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. See, the first thing I saw in this as I started reading it the other day is that before God does a miracle um, through people, before God does uh, a miracle um, on behalf of people, God stages them um, where they can be used. God puts them in position, I guess is what you would say, to be used. See, they moved from one place to the other. God puts them right next to the Jordan because he's got a plan for them. It, it includes the Jordan. It includes them crossing over. And, and so God puts them in position to be able to move into what God wants them to move into. The thing that I would ask you today is maybe what position has God given you um, that, that God wants to use? Uh, maybe it's as, as a, a boss or maybe it's as an employee. Maybe it's as a father. Um, maybe it's as a mother. Maybe it's as um, the leader of your family. What is it? Maybe it's the influence with friends, whatever it might be. Maybe it's in your classroom. God's positioned you in a place that he wants to move in your life. He wants to do a miracle in the life of someone else and he wants to advance his kingdom through you. Because what I see in this is that God is positioning them for something great. He positions them next to the Jordan River. I want you to understand though, here's, here's the reality, and this is what I've seen in my own life, that many times when God positions us to do something great through us, it feels like he puts us up against an impossible obstacle. Have you ever been there in that place where you thought, I just don't see how we're getting through this? Can you imagine these Israelites there faced with crossing this huge river, something that they're facing, crossing with all of their stuff, with, all, with their children. Um, this is a raging river at this time because uh, the snow would be melting off of Mount Hermon and it's coming down and it's, it's just flooding the place. And so they're faced with this obstacle. And I know for me that there's been many times that I faced obstacles in my life that I didn't know if I would get through. Things that, that came against me or came against the church that I wondered, am I gonna make it? And I was thinking about that and I was thinking, how can I illustrate this? How can people see how God brings you through almost seemingly impossible things? And I remembered um, 
one of those things that God has done for us. He's done so many over the last six and a half years, but I remember one of those things that God had done for us. I went back and found a clip of a message that I wanted to show you today, and I want you to just see, because I want you to understand that when we are up against difficulties, when we face obstacles that seem impossible, it's not that all hope is lost, it's most likely that God wants to do a miracle in our lives. It's most likely that God wants to bring us to a place of dependence on him. It's most likely that God wants us once again to realize that we can't do life apart from him. And so I want you to see this clip. Check this one out. It says, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. But listen to this, because this is where we are, priest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. The Bible says in verse 15 that as soon as their feet touched the water, the river parted and the water ceased to flow. It goes on and says, they all walked across on dry ground. The priests stood firm on dry ground. The fifth thing that we have in common with these priests that God has called us to do is we, like these priests, are called to step into the river. We're called to step into the river. And see, here's the crazy thing. The river didn't part until they went into it. And as We've talked about a whole lot lately. God's called us to take our next step as a church. But this is what the Lord spoke to my heart. And this is where this entire series came from. Is when I read that verse, God spoke and he said, you just step. You just step. He said, you step into the river. I began to share my heart with our board, with our staff. Everybody's like, yeah, we've got to step. We've just got to step because the river oftentimes does not part until we go into it. And we have to trust that the Lord will do mighty and amazing things on our behalf. This is where my heart is for our church right now. Right now. And we're going to just step into the river. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know, but I have amazing peace and amazing faith that God has got this and that God is going to do some incredible things and that his word is going to be true. And I love this verse in Joshua chapter three. He says, this is how you will know that the living God is among you. That as we take our next step as a church, that we would look and not only us, but the loss and the hurting would look and go, there's the reality of God. That the work he does would be the evidence of who he is and his power and his glory. And this is the thing that I would tell you. I'm willing to bet my life on Ephesians 3.20. God does want to do and God will do exceedingly and abundantly more than I could think or imagine. Here's the reality. As we take our next step, he's going to have to because we can't do it on our own. But I am so jacked up at the, uh, not like messed up, like pumped up. I'm jacked up too, but 
I am so pumped up about the opportunity to see God move in a way that we can never take glory or credit and that he would receive all the glory for. I want you to understand, like, it's time for us to take our next step. We're going to do that today. And you get to be a part of that because you didn't go to the Georgia Georgia Southern game because you didn't have the money. And your family doesn't like you, so you didn't get invited to Thanksgiving dinner. But because of that, you get to be a part of this. You get to see it, and we get to step into what God has called us to do. And my prayer is that as you watch this video, we're about to shut, that your hearts would be moved, that you'd be filled with expectancy, and that we would truly begin to live in faith that God desires to do amazing things. Check this out. Just like every other step we've ever taken, God has given us a vision of where to go next. When God speaks, it is a mandate. The only options are to be obedient or disobedient. There is no in-between. Connection Church, it's time for us to take our next step. I'm in a field next to the new Sally's at our school, and in my hands are the plans for the future permanent building of Connection Church. This is going to be the site of our new campus. And just like was said in my living room many years ago, it will be a place where we connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. This will be the location of our home base from which we transform a community one life at a time. It's gonna be a light that shines brightly from the top of this hill throughout the world. The past few years, we've seen hundreds of people take their next steps. We've seen lives changed and hearts transformed. Ephesians 3.20 says God will do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever think or imagine. We truly feel like the best is yet to come. Connection Church, this is our next step. How many of you, that's, that's awesome. How many of you remember that clip from November 2012? It was an awesome day, wasn't it? And, and as, as I was, as I was, as I was looking back and thinking about my own struggles, my own difficulties this week, and the obstacles that I was up against, that came to mind and I went back and watched it. And I watched it from an office that sat where a cotton field used to sit. And so here's the truth of the matter. We don't have what would be known as a wealthy church. And when we announced this, that we were doing this one-in-one thing where we were going to raise $3 million and a million and a half was going to go towards the building and then a million and a half was going to go towards missions and outreach. I honestly can tell you, I was scared to death because I, I didn't think it was possible. But as God always does, he parted a river, he moved an impossible obstacle and he made a place. And see, it's not about the building. It's not about sheetrock. It's not about uh, um, drywall and, and screws and steel. It's not about carpet. It's about a place where people are encountering Jesus. The church isn't a building, but I can tell you this, that God did a miracle in getting us this far. If I were to write a book about 
church planning, it would be called what not to do if you plan a church. Because I have screwed it up so many times, just stepping on landmine after landmine. And yet God's been faithful through it all. And I show you that clip, one, because I believe this with all my heart, that the best is yet to come. But two, because if you're facing an obstacle today, know that God's got it. Know that God will bring you through it. There's nothing too big that God can't part the river. And sometimes he positions us in places that it looks like it's all over when really what God's wanting to do is move in our lives and do a miracle. The second thing I see in this is he puts them in a place of preparation. So he positions them next to the Jordan and then he puts them in a place of preparation. And what I want you to see in this is that God often uses these difficult spots as places to turn us and make us more dependent on him so that we come back to him. I started praying a while back that God, I wouldn't get complacent, that I wouldn't just become stagnant in my relationship with him, that I wouldn't just um, take status quo and ho-hum as, as the way of my life, but that I'd always press into him and be dependent on him. That's a dangerous prayer because he puts you in situations where you have to be dependent on him. But I can tell you, I'd rather be uncomfortable and dependent on Jesus and having his power in my life than to live my life comfortably apart from him and not ever seeing him move in, in, in miraculous ways. If I have to take uncomfortable and I have to take uh, just not knowing the future and taking steps of faith and constantly being stretched, then I'll take that over not seeing God move in the lives of people. That God often positions us. See, and a lot of times when God positions us, this is what happens. We feel like God's not doing anything. When he's preparing us, many times we get to this place where we think it's just wasted time. But God's always doing something. God's always preparing us in some ways. God's so good that he even uses a lot of the stupid decisions that we've made in our past so that we can be developed into someone who can reach certain people. I have a friend of mine who he constantly feels like he's wasted a large part of his life. But the thing that I try to get him to see is that you'd never reach the people that you're reaching if you haven't gone through what you've gone through. So God even takes the bad decisions and he even takes our stupid decisions and he begins to use those and use those to shape us and mold us so that we can become the people that he needs for us to be because every person has a purpose and he has a purpose for our lives. And I want you to, to see where he positions them and then he begins to prepare them. The next one, it goes on and says, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God and the priest who are Levites carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. He says, then you'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before, but keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. The third thing he does, one, he positions us, two, he prepares us, but three, he gives us clear orders. He gives us clear direction. He does that for our personal lives. I wonder how many of us have a vision for our personal lives that we've taken from God's word. How many of us have a vision to be a leader in our families, in our households, 
How many of us have a vision from God to be a husband that, that loves his wife as Christ loves the church? How many of us have a vision to be a mother who, who, who raises their children uh, to love Jesus? How many of us have a vision to be an employer um, that brings people closer to Jesus through the workplace? How many of us have a vision to be an employee who works as though they're working for Christ? How many of us as, as teenagers have a vision to be someone who in the classroom represents Jesus and others see Jesus in us? Not conforming to the world, saying to heck with what the world thinks and what the world wants to throw on me. I'm going to follow what God's given because I have a vision of my life of who he wants me to be. And I'm not falling for the traps and the tricks of Satan. I'm going to live my life the way God's called me to live it because I know when I get to the end of my life, I will not have regrets for having followed Christ. Nobody ever gets to the end of their life and says, I wish I hadn't followed so closely to Jesus. But he gives clear directions. Church, he's given us clear directions. He's given us a clear purpose. See, Proverbs 29, 18 tells us that where there is no vision, people perish. Or, well, you know how he translates it, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. In other words, when we don't have a direction and, and know where we're going, we'll go anywhere. But see, if you have a vision for your life, then there's certain things that are decisions that are made for you, things to do and things not to do. If you're going to be a godly husband, then it means you have to love your wife as Christ loved the church, not in your own strength, but in the strength of Christ. It means you don't go outside of the marriage um, because, you know, you're, you're wanting something extra. If you have a vision to be a godly um, teenager, uh, someone who pursues Jesus, it means you don't go and sleep around with every girl in the high school, or at least try to. It means there's certain things you just don't do because it's not what God has for your plan. It's not what God has, has designated your life to be. See, God gives us a vision and a purpose and it's found in this book. And that vision and that purpose is to grow closer to him, become more in his likeness, advance his kingdom and take back from the kingdom of darkness what belongs to the kingdom of light. He's given us a greater purpose than what this world offers. It's just that Satan comes in and entices us with half truths. This will satisfy you. It, it might for a minute but it never fully satisfies the way it's promised to us. Only Jesus is able to do that. Do you have a vision for your life? There's a vision for this church. I believe with all my heart that I know where we're going. I believe that many of you know where we're going. And I believe that the mission of this church was given to us by God. I believe it was a mandated mission that we were either to do the mission or we were to be disobedient to God. And that mission is this. It is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, it's to connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. And that's what we set out to do. That's what I believe the gospel does is it shows our need for a savior. It brings us to the savior. It connects us with the savior. He connects us to the father. And then we begin to have relationships that spring out from that with other people and he creates a body called the church that begins to move forward with power and with, a, with clarity so that it can do what God created it to do, fill the earth with his glory. That's what he calls for us to do. See, this church exists for that reason, to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And we have a clear vision. I believe this with all my heart, that we were called, that God has given us the clarity, that God has told us that we're to reach 10,000 people by the year 2023 with 80% of those people serving in connect groups and giving generously. I used to feel like I had to apologize for that. 
But I'm not apologizing for what God's given us to do. God's called us to reach people and not just to be a mile wide, but to be a mile deep. To not just bring believers to Christ, but to help them grow, to help them become what Jesus wants them to be, disciples who make disciples. In other words, followers of Jesus who go and make other followers of Jesus. So what is it that God's given you? What's the vision of your life? See, the vision of this church is this thing called one and one that you just saw some of. See, we've put some money into the, to build this building, but we've also got money that we're going to put into missions and outreach. We got money we're still raising for this fund so that we can do more missions and outreach, so that we can go out and reach these people who don't know Christ. And we're going to do that three ways. One of those ways is we're going to plant churches. I believe that Vidalia and Lyons is just the beginning of the churches that God's called us to plant. I believe he wants us to plant churches in communities all around our area, all around the state of Georgia, that, that are in places that aren't doing what we do. See, I don't care about going and fishing in somebody else's pond. I want to go to places that we can do something different so that different people are reached. We shouldn't be about just swapping sheep, right? That's not what we set out to do. We set out to reach people who are far from God. And one of the ways we're going to do that is we're going to plant churches. I believe that. I believe with all my heart that we'll plant another church campus within the next 12 to 18 months. I believe that. Already in Vidalia and Lyons, we've seen 12 people get baptized, professing their faith in Christ. That's awesome. Already in Vidalia Lions, we've seen seven salvations. You see, because of this church plant, because of what God's done here, we've seen 518 baptisms. We've seen 389 salvations in the last six and a half years. Don't tell me God still doesn't do miracles. So we're going to plant churches. We're going to plant churches. I believe this, we're going to do a transitional housing complex straight behind where I'm standing right now. I believe one day we'll build duplexes on this property for people who are, are in need of a hand up, not just a handout. A place for people who, um, listen, we may be able to help them with an electric bill, but we know the reality of it is they're going to be back the next month because we're just putting a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. But we want to create a program where people can come into and we can help them get back on their feet and establish a life. I realize that the success rate in that is very small, but I can tell you this, if you've been a part of seeing one person whose life was, life was transformed and whose life was changed and who began to live it to the glory of God and live it in a way um, that they never lived it before because they've been taught some basic principles, it's absolutely 100% worth the effort. God left 99, Jesus left 99 to go after the one. We ought to do the same thing. And so we're going to do transitional housing. Another thing that we're going to do, we're going to plant churches in around the world. We're going to help pastors plant churches in other places. We're going to do things like what we did in Honduras this year, where this is crazy because of how we think about um, churches and church buildings today. But in three weeks, we built a church for a group of people who otherwise would have nowhere to meet met under a pine tree. It was raining, sometimes they just didn't have church. 
And in three weeks, we were able to go down and give them a place that they can meet consistently, a place that gave a literally a village of people hope, a place where they could come and find Christ. And we're gonna continue to do that. We're gonna continue to go and do those things, people. Listen, the best is yet to come. Even with the challenges and the difficulties that we face, even with the things that Satan throws at us and the things that Satan brings up, he's still going to build his church. Jesus will prevail. Jesus' church will prevail. The gates of hell cannot stop it. So the first three things, he puts you in position, he he puts you into preparation, he gives you clear orders. The fourth thing that I see in this is in Joshua chapter, or verse five in chapter three. It says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves. Consecration is is literally a setting apart. It means um, one, purity of heart. But more than that even, it means wholehearted devotion to God. It means that you've been set apart to live for Him. And and here's the thing that I would ask you, is your life set apart to live for Jesus? Is your life set apart for the mission of God? Is your life set apart for His his purposes of restoring um, His glory to the world? Is your life set apart for Him? Because that should be central to the mission of our lives. Everything in our lives should revolve around the mission of Christ. And is our life that way? Have we given everything to Him? Have we consecrated ourselves? And see, in consecration, they would have gone into the river and bathed their bodies. They would have also either washed their clothes or put on clean clothes. And the symbolism of that was that their cleansing, that washing would be a cleansing of the sin. It was a way for them to cleanse themselves. The new clothes would have been signifying and symbolic of a new beginning. And I thought about that consecration and that act of consecration that they did. And it made me think about this. It made me think about a greater cleansing and a greater new beginning, a greater new birth that was to come from another Joshua, meaning Jesus. See, in Hebrew, Joshua, or in Greek, in Greek Jesus is translated from the Hebrew word Joshua. And I want you to see that everything in scripture points to the cleansing of Jesus and that which he did for us on the cross. I want you to see that what this Joshua did was a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do. He was gonna cleanse our sins. He was gonna give us new birth and a new beginning. He's gonna give us a new way of living. He was gonna set us apart for his plan and for his purposes. Do you realize that? Have you? been consecrated? Have you consecrated yourself to the work of God? Or are there still other options? There's only one option, is to follow Him. And Jesus gives us this greater cleansing of sin. He gives us this greater beginning through new birth. This opportunity to start over. I talk to people all the time who They can believe they've been forgiven by God easier than they can believe they can forgive themselves. And today, I just want you to see that God has made you new if you're in Christ. God's given you a cleansing. You're defined by nothing other than Jesus himself. The last thing he does is he tells us to take our next steps. He tells him to follow the the, the priest as they bring the ark forward. 
he tells them to follow. It says that when the ark would come by and pass on ahead of the people that they would follow and those priests would take that ark on their, this box that symbolized the invisible God and they would walk out into that river and that river would part and they'd walk across on dry ground and God did a miracle. But see, they had to take their next steps. We talk a lot about next steps in this church because it's our next step of faith. What is God leading us to take that next step? What is that next step in our life? What is that next step as a church? What is God calling us to do in faith? I believe for us, this is where my heart's been. I believe God has been challenging me to to answer this question. Are you still in? Are you still in? Felt like what the Lord Spoke to my heart was the next six and a half years are going to be as taxing as the last six and a half. Are you in? Are you still willing to lay down your life for what I've called you to do? And I believe for us as a church, our next step is simply an act of consecration. It's saying, yes, we'll follow the presence of God into the river, wherever he leads us. See, the awesome thing about the miracle that led them into Canaan was that it was just the beginning of the miracles and the move that God was going to do. There was more to come. The best was yet to come even after they experienced that miracle. Are we as a church willing to consecrate ourselves to the work of God, to again cleanse our heart, to realize that God's given us a new beginning and to realize that God's called us to continue on the path that he's given us. Is there gonna be things that come along and try to knock us off? There are going to be difficult days and challenges ahead. But the reality of it is, I'm all in. I feel like the Lord's tested my heart in this to see where I truly am. And I want you to know that as a church, I'm all in. I believe this is what God's given me to do for the rest of my life. And I'm setting my life apart. As I said in that video, I'm betting my life on Ephesians 3.20. God is a God who does exceedingly and abundantly more than we can think or imagine. I believe he's got greater plans, greater things to do, more churches to plant, people to rescue, people to see saved, people to profess their faith publicly in baptism, people to discover what true community is within the church. I believe that God calls us to that. And how much more should we follow God, even more so than the Israelites? See, they were following a box that was symbolic of the invisible presence of God. But the danger for them was getting to a place, and our youth pastor Cody was talking to me about this this week. It was pretty awesome. Their danger was getting to a place where the box, which was a means to the end of experiencing the invisible God, became the end itself, and they easily could begin to worship the box. I wonder how many times we get in places where we begin to worship the means, the church attendance, the Bible reading, the prayer time, all of those things versus the end, which is experiencing the presence of Jesus. Because see, here's the good news. We can let God out of the box so to speak, because here's the reality of it, people. We don't follow something that's symbolic of the invisible presence of God. We have the presence of God within us so that we become the tangible representation of Jesus to the world. How much more can we be bold in our next steps? How much more can we take those steps of faith, trusting that God's gonna do what God has promised to do? 
I believe with all my heart these things are gonna happen. I just believe that God's the only beginning. I believe that God's gonna blow our minds as he already has. And here's the thing, you can look at the vision of this church and you can say that's crazy, but isn't it crazy what God's already done? So I'm just crazy enough to believe that God's just getting started. And he has cleansed us. He's given us a new beginning. Because of that, we have a purpose in life that's greater than ourselves. I want to give you two opportunities this morning, two invitations. As always, our prayer team will be here to pray with you after the service if you'd like for us to pray with you. But two specific opportunities and two specific invitations. The first one is this, you've never received Christ as your Savior. But today, God's drawing you. You know he's speaking to your heart. You've never been cleansed from your sin, brought into a relationship with God. You've never come to that place of experiencing a new beginning, feeling the grace of God lift the weight of sin off of your shoulders. Never had a relationship with Jesus, but today's the day, man, maybe God is calling you. If you feel him knocking on the door of your heart, just say yes. And if that's the case for you, then we want to celebrate that with you. God's drawing you, if today is the day of salvation for you, that you come into a relationship with Jesus, and we want to celebrate that with you and help you take your next steps of faith. And so the first invitation is to receive him. And I want to ask you right now, if that's you and the Lord's spoken to your heart, he's drawing you to himself today, and today's the day of salvation for you, saying yes to a relationship with Christ, being cleansed of your sin, being brought into a relationship with him, experiencing a new beginning, then this is what I want you to do. I want you to stick your hand way up in the air so that we can celebrate with you. If that's where you're at. Maybe today's that day for you. Must have been a bad message. Okay. Then here's the other opportunity, the other invitation, the other question. As I prayed through this, I was trying to think of how can we express our consecration to the Lord? How can we express our consecration to his vision and mission, specifically for Connection Church, specifically if he's called you to be a part of this local body? If he hasn't, then I encourage you, find the one that he's called you to so that you can be involved, so that you can fulfill the purpose that God has for you in that local body. But in this body, Today, I'm asking you, if God's called you to this place and today it's a heart check for you and today you say, yes, I'm all in. Then see, we either need to be in or we need to be out. And if we're out, we need to find a place that we can be in. But today, if you say you're in, then what we want to do is we want to invite you as an act of faith, saying, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm consecrating myself, setting myself apart to God. We're going to ask you to come up and we've got these boards up here. We got Sharpie markers and we give you an opportunity as an act of faith just to sign it. When you put them together, it says heart and soul. See, there's something special about knowing you're running heart and soul with people who are going in the same direction. There's something powerful about people when they're connected in that way. And we wanna celebrate that. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray and then while I'm praying, you can begin to move. You can come and sign. Listen, if you're new here or you're, you don't know, it's, it's fine. But I'm asking if you're ready, 
and you know God's called you here and you're ready to move forward, then that's your opportunity, that's your invitation to come and sign these things. And then we're going to have another song at the end. We try not to run out of here. Part Rose will be all right. Then we're going to finish with a song, but I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to move as God moves in your heart. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your love and your grace in our lives. Jesus, thank you that you give us people to run with, people that we can do life with, people that are heart and soul with your vision and with your mission and with what God, you've called us to do and to be, God. Thank you that we don't have to do this alone. God, I thank you for the miracles we've already seen, the salvations, the baptisms. God, I thank you that you've provided a place for us to bring people closer to you in this facility. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in Bidelia and Lyons. I thank you, God, for everything that you've done already. But God, I look forward to what you are going to do. Lord, just do a great and mighty and awesome work in us and through us, Lord. Position us as I believe you have. Continue to prepare us. Continue to keep our orders clear. And God, let our hearts be consecrated, set apart for you so that we can do the work you've put us here to do. Let's always have the faith to take those next steps in courage and in boldness. In Jesus' name, amen.